Hey podcast listeners, Andy Clark here, and this time we're talking Brexit. What does it mean for the tens of thousands of Brits living in the Netherlands? The clock is ticking as the UK is to leave the EU on March the 29th of next year. But as things stand, there are a lot more uncertainties than certainties. Frankly, nobody has a clue as to what's going to happen. And all of this is taking its toll. I mean, if you think about, um, you know, that league table of stressors, you know, with a moving job, moving house, etc., etc. Well, not being sure about any of the above and not being able to influence and control it I mean, that's a very uh, heady combination, isn't it? I haven't... I've barely slept properly for the last two and a half years. I used to be someone who found it difficult to get to sleep, but now I'm waking up in the night. Because of Brexit? Yes, yes. And later in the podcast, we'll hear from a British businessman and get his take on the chaos that is Brexit. Like most expats, I think it's a, it's a disaster, uh, not just for... For, for business and, and so on, but for, for future generations, and it's a step backwards. First up, though, are Sarah and Tricia from the group British in the Netherlands. I'm Sarah Parks, and I'm a representative for British in the Netherlands. I've lived in the Netherlands for 18 years now, and I'm ashamed to say I'm still not fluent in the Dutch language. Oh. I do get by, but it's um, a bit tricky because a lot of my Dutch friends want to speak English to me. Um and I'm here today with uh, my colleague from British in the Netherlands, Tricia Tarrant. Tricia, can you introduce yourself? Yes, hi. Um, yes, as Sarah said, Tricia Tarrant. Um, originally, I was uh, born in Edinburgh, spent uh, 30 years working in London, uh, came over here in 2006 for work. Um, I had a pan-European job, actually, which was uh, which was great. I uh, ran our European Works Council involving 23 different countries, actually. So it was real kind of European integration in practice, which okay. was uh, which was wonderful. So um, my husband uh, joined me over here in 2012 and we sold our London flat in 2015. So um, made a definite commitment to living in the Netherlands. Right. So that makes it all a bit more poignant with Brexit and everything we're going to talk about uh, today. OK. Oh, Yes. Sarah, can you tell me a bit about uh, British in the Netherlands, the group then? Who are you? Uh, What is it? Yes, of course. Um, People might have heard of the group British in Europe, who've been uh, lobbying British MPs and um, MEPs from the European Parliament and so forth. Um, British in Europe is a coalition of of many groups, some of which are pan-European, but a lot of them are groups for specific countries. British in the Netherlands is for obviously British people who live in the Netherlands. We feel it's better to have a group for each country because the laws are different in each country and the issues we might have to face and and discuss and maybe try and do something about are different for each country. Okay. Uh, British in the Netherlands at the moment is trying to focus on lobbying the Dutch parliamentarians because we feel they're the only people who can help us now with um, everything that's been going on with regard to the Brexit negotiations. Okay, we'll get into the details in in just a minute. But Mm -hmm. I want to ask both of you first, you know, if I could take you back in time to the moment of the the referendum result and you heard that Brexit was going to happen. Tricia, where were you and what did you do? (laughs) Well, um, my husband and I had gone over to the UK um, uh, personally to hand our votes in to Hammersmith Town Hall because we felt it was so important and we didn't trust the post. So we were uh, we were back in the Netherlands um, the, the following day 
when we heard the news. So we were at home and, uh, yeah, complete shock. What did you do? <laughs> you mean apart from gawp at the radio and just look at each other in a desperate kind of way? We Well, we talked about it briefly. We, uh, Funnily enough, we went round to our local bar um, and uh, I know this sounds strange, but we were kind of sneaking round in shame as if people would be pointing at these dreadful Brits, you know, for, uh, in a sense, for kind of voting against the cause. And Sarah, what was your, where were you? What did you do? I was actually watching the votes come in live. Um, and it seemed to be swinging one way, then the other, uh, and, until the Birmingham constituency, which was the largest, and and then it was all over and... I was numb for a little while. All right, let's talk about the impact then on, on Brits in the in the Netherlands now. I mean, that's your group, British in the Netherlands, mm. is focused on that. So, I mean, basics first off, how many Brits are there in the Netherlands? Um, it's difficult to say. Even the Dutch CBS, it depends what statistics you're looking at. Um, at the moment, I think they're quoting that something like 46,000 working adults of British nationality. OK, a lot. Yes, but... There is also another statistic which includes children and people with dual nationality, which says somewhere in the region is 85,000. Wow. OK, mm -hmm. that's huge. That's quite a big difference. Um, it's difficult to know which number to quote because mm. the press quotes both. So, <laughs> Right. Yeah. OK. And here we are just a few months from Brexit then now. Mm. I mean, is there, is there a fear among some Brits that they might be actually kicked out or might have to leave, Tricia? I, I think there is. I mean, um, the, the numbers that Sarah was mentioning, um, the, the bigger number, of course, is the number of people who are going to be affected in some way, either directly or, or indirectly. And uh, yes, I think people are worried that they may have to leave. And it's not, I mean, I think one of the issues is this is not an irrational fear. I mean, at the moment, we simply do not know what will happen. Hmm. Um, the only thing that we do know at the moment is that we will be third country nationals or aliens, as the, the relevant Dutch Act uh, would call us, right. um, at the end of March. Okay. And that potentially has certain implications. Right. So I think it's, uh, it's actually quite sensible for people to be worried when we don't have the information on which to plan. Yeah, I mean, there's a kind of feeling in a way because it's a sort of long unfolding uh, event. You know, it's not kind of an immediate event. It's now coming much nearer. But I think that gives people a sense of everything will be all right. It's not, you know, such a big bad thing anyway. Is that what you're saying from your group? There are real concerns that people well, may... Well, to begin with, people thought it'll be OK. Some sort of agreement will be made. Uh, but now it's getting closer and closer. A lot of our members are very, very worried. Mm. Some of them haven't lived here five years to be able to apply for permanent residence. Right. Some That's the rule then? You have to be here five years? Five years, uh, no matter what nationality you are. You right. can be a third country national, but you have to be resident continuously yeah. for five years. Okay. Then you can apply for permanent residence. Right. Some of our members haven't been here for five years yet. Mm -hmm. um, there's also people who might be on benefits through no fault of their own. They're long-term unemployed. They might um, have a, a chronic illness. Um, they might have been recently divorced and they've had to apply for state benefits. Now, right. I have heard, as a third country national, you're not automatically entitled to benefits as you are as an EU citizen. OK, what are some of the other fears then from different groups of Brits who are, who are here? Well, some of them are worried that they might lose... Um, if they take Dutch nationality solely, for instance, 
or even if they're not able to access um, British banking services anymore, they might lose their British state pension, their military pension, their civil service pension. Some think that even their private pensions might be at risk because of the banking issue. And do you have an example from someone from the group who is particularly mm. uh, worried and concerned about these issues? One of the issues is that um, because this was completely unexpected and unplanned for when people made their choices about where to live and what to be doing, it, it's a bit like some kind of horrible dance where the music has stopped right. and we're left in this weird yeah. situation. And one particular case was um, of this lady who lives here. She has a husband whom she cares for here. She has elderly parents for whom she cares in the UK. Mm. Now, until the prospect of Brexit, that was something to manage. But all of a sudden, there may be some really difficult choices to make because maybe her husband um, doesn't earn enough to be actually able to get into the UK and her parents wouldn't be able to come to the Netherlands. And at the moment, she's not eligible for dual nationality. So she potentially, Hmm. she's left with this horrible choice about who do I care for and where. Right. And of course, until the music stopped, Mm -hmm. these were not choices that had to be made at all. Because she could just move backwards and forwards freely and healthcare was available on both sides of the North Sea. That's right, yeah. Yeah. I also add, uh, some people have got issues with um, cross-border divorce rights. Um, maintenance payments, which is financial, but also um, people's rights over over their own children, whether they have custody rights or visitation rights, Mm -hmm. um, were preserved under EU law, even if the the child was in a different country to maybe the visiting parents. And now those agreements are not necessarily going to be binding anymore, uh, Mm. because with Britain being third country rather than part of EU law jurisdiction... Mm-hmm. They don't know what's going to happen. Will they lose their visiting rights to their children? Will the people with custody of their children lose that? Will they lose their maintenance money for an ex-spouse or ch- child? So the Brexit is just a few months away, but frankly there are a huge number of questions which are impossible to answer for Brits here at the moment. I also talked to a businessman. Okay, well, uh, my name is Stephen Hyten. I'm the Group Financial Director for Thermoparch International, which is a Dutch holding of European operations with ultimately a US parent. We're based out in Almira, about 20 minutes outside Amsterdam, and we've operations around Europe, including the UK, Germany, Poland, France, and then, of course, the Netherlands. And I've been here now for 25 years this December. Stephen's company Thermopatch International provides labelling for textiles and even supplies the transfers for the back of the shirts of Manchester United. So what does he make of Brexit? I think it's a, it's a disaster, uh, not just for, for, for business and, and so on, but for, for future generations, and it's a step backwards. Like all of us who've, who've lived outside our home country for many years, you tend to look at your own home country differently. Everybody does it, you know, once you become an expat. You look at your own home home country through a different set of glasses. And I think the thing that I feel most frustrated is about is that 
is that, uh, you know, if I look at my Dutch colleagues, they're quite genuinely shocked about what they read in the British press about how, you know, European governments and, and citizens are being grouped together. You'd almost think that suddenly they'd become a, a real live enemy by the way the press reports it. And of course, because Dutch people can read English perfectly well, whereas Brits can't read Dutch, you don't get a sense of equal balance as to perspective. So Brits tend to only see what's written in the, the likes of the mail, the sun, which gives a completely coloured opinion about what's actually the true view from Europe. And in terms of direct impact on his business, he says the uncertainties at the moment are very difficult to deal with. The only thing that is certain is that things will change, and this will probably mean higher costs for the consumer. Somebody pays, usually the consumer, one way or another, because if you have to carry goods extra days, well, that's an extra cost. Ultimately, it builds into your stocks, and so that becomes a cost that's passed on. Ultimately, it's always passed on to the consumer. But uh, it will require us to readjust our our operations and it may mean that some production we can't continue to do uh, in the UK. I know from clients already writing in the UK asking us to confirm that they can, we can guarantee supply after the 29th of March next year, uh, which is all fine and dandy, but it's a bit like saying guarantee it is not going to snow on Christmas Day. You know, <laughs> uh, I can't give that guarantee because I don't actually know what the rules will be. That's the problem most smaller companies face. Nobody knows and everybody talks about you know, wanting a deal and hoping for the deal. But until there is some decision making uh, that, that, that's tangible, we're faced with this ongoing uncertainty. British businessman Stephen Houghton. You're listening to the Here in Holland podcast, the podcast in English about life with the Dutch. It's Brexit this time around, and in just a second we'll be back with Sarah and Tricia from the British in the Netherlands group. Before that, a quick reminder that you can help me out big time, Brexit or not, by becoming a sponsor of the podcast. You can surf to patreon.com forward slash here in Holland, p-a-t-r-e-o-n dot com forward slash here in Holland and find out more. The link is in the show notes too. For the price of a cup of coffee each month, you can support the show. The more supporters, the more podcasts I can make. And as you'll appreciate, it all takes time and effort to do all of this. Even if you can't spare the cash, you can support the show by sharing the podcast with family and friends and maybe even writing a review and giving a rating in Apple Podcasts, iTunes. It all helps people discover the podcast. OK, on with the show. So, what is the biggest worry for Brits in the Netherlands when it comes to Brexit? The biggest worry is a no-deal scenario. Yeah. Uh, the IND have said that if you have a permanent residence card as an EU citizen, come Brexit Day, they will automatically change that to a third country national permanent residence permit. Mm -hmm. But they don't know what's going to happen in the event of a no deal. They are not saying that will still happen. So, yes, people are very worried. And that's just one simple thing about uh, whether you have the right to remain in the country or not. Right. This is the immigration and naturalisation yes. deans to the mm -hmm. immigration authorities in the Netherlands who are dealing with all of this. Quite. Um, and how, how are you trying to tackle this? How are you trying to deal with these concerns? Are you lobbying? What are you doing, mm. Tricia? Well, it's at, a, it's at a number of different levels. I mean, the fact of having our Facebook page enables people in a in a safe space to be able to say what concerns them 
And quite a, a few people are saying that it's making them ill with worry because it's difficult. You can't plan if you don't know what you're planning for. So there's the Facebook page. Um, so as well as that being a, a safe space, it's a it's a good place for um, people to um, exchange information, what they've done, what they've found useful, uh, contact details, their own experiences. And that kind of self-help is quite useful, actually. It gets away from that feeling of powerlessness. Mm -hmm. um, more specifically... Uh, we've all been attending, um, the UK ambassador has held a number of open forums. Right. So we've all gone along to those um, and have been uh, en masse, in fact. And have they been able to give you any information at those meetings or is it kind of we don't know each time? Um, it's sort of we don't know. Um, I think what was good about the one we attended in, in The Hague at the beginning of this month, and there's been one uh, last week in, in Amsterdam as well, there were representatives from um, the Dutch Ministry of Foreign Affairs um, and from the Gementa and from the END. Um, and, I mean, they're, they're saying things like, well, citizens' rights are our top priority. And they said, top, top, top priority mm -hmm. um, and don't worry nobody will be escorted to the border and we're working on it and the ambassador did say that um, he's been having um, engagements at the highest possible level in the Dutch government right but of course what we're all hungry for is the very detail that they feel they're not able to give us yet right. because of the very sensitive stage that the negotiations are at. It sounds like a lot of platitudes, really, Sarah, when, yes, I, when I hear that. I mean, it doesn't yeah. sound very concrete. It's not really going to assure your group uh, very much. Well, in April this year, I spoke on behalf of the group um, to a um, Brexit roundtable meeting, uh, which was attended by 10 uh, Dutch MPs. And told them we only had five minutes to speak, so I had to condense it as, yeah. as, as, to as short as possible. Mm -hmm. But I think I put the main points across about our members' concerns, and that was in April. And then we followed it up, a, a group effort. Some of us wrote a letter, and uh, somebody helped us translate it into very strong native Dutch um, that we sent to those MPs. But I really feel we need to lobby the Dutch government more, because I feel now we've been abandoned by our own government... They don't want to know. We're numbers, we're bargaining chips. Um, so the Dutch government are the only people that can help us now. And we're hoping to try and uh, arrange some meetings, uh, lobby them a bit more in the very near future, because this has to be done now. It can't wait till January or February or March. It needs to be done now. Do you have a feeling about that? I mean, normally the Dutch are pretty pragmatic when it comes to this sort of thing. And uh, do you have a kind of feeling either way they're going to find a solution and accommodate the 45,000 to 80,000 Brits in the Netherlands? Or do you think we just simply don't know? Well, I think you get a lot of platitudes about they are going to accommodate us. But so far, they've only said you'll be fine in the event of a deal. They haven't said we'll be fine in the event of no deal. Mm. And that is what we're going to try and lobby in the next few weeks, try and send some letters out, get some meetings organised and tell them, look, we need to know what's happening in the event of a no deal. Mm. People are frightened. People are worried. We're talking about human beings here, not just statistics. What about for you personally? What's the, what, what are the, your biggest personal concerns? My biggest personal concern is having to leave the Netherlands. It's my home. 
I barely know anybody in the UK anymore, just a few friends on Facebook, one or two I see occasionally. Uh, my sister lives abroad, my son lives abroad. I've got one friend that I see regularly in the UK. If I'm asked to leave the Netherlands, I've got nowhere to go, nobody to help me, and I think a lot of other people are in that situation as well. They have made their lives here. And Tricia, for you? I think um, similar to, to Sarah. Um, I, I think... Uh, a more um, a more Kafka esque uh, worst case or worst fear would be that we we go through the process of applying to stay here because we've got the five years, but after all, if you're processing forty five plus thousand applications, things can go wrong. So uh, the wor- even worst case for me would be. Um, bureaucratic mix-ups with the application and we're suddenly refused leave to remain in our own home. Right. That, I mean, that really would keep me awake at night and then you, and then you can't find out what went wrong in the process. Mm. Or refused leave to remain because we are third country nationals with a no-deal scenario. Mm-hmm. Right. And you think these are realistic, these, these fears are realistic? You think there's a real chance this is going to happen? Yes, it seems that way at the moment, a no-deal scenario, for, from what the press has been saying. Um, I've watched Theresa May a few times live in Parliament, and she really doesn't say anything when she makes an announcement. So we're just up in the dark, hoping that civil servants will, will leak to the press, which they do, but then you can't... The British press you can't trust on the whole anyway. If any information's been leaked, they might twist it round, so you don't really know what's going on. So, OK. Uh, do you think there's any chance at all that Brexit might not happen still? I sincerely hope so. I mean, they're saying now that contingency plans, if the press is to be believed, contingency plans are being made just in case there's another referendum with um, a referendum on the options um, of any deal with also an option to remain in the European Union. After the... um, the march in London, three quarters of a million people, I don't see how the government can ignore that, as well as all the other rallies that have been going on around the country and the march in London in June, which was massive as well. Um, And you were at those marches, I believe? Absolutely, yes. Very tiring, but wonderful to be part of an historic moment like that. And you think that really can have effect and can lead to another vote, which might give this small slither of a chance of no Brexit? It's difficult to say because no matter what the government seem to have been advised, they seem to be hell-bent on charging ahead. And they didn't know what they were talking about in negotiations. They have been told that Article 50 can be rescinded. They have been told that we can extend it a little while for you to have another referendum, although the EU would like it to be before May because of the uh, European Parliament elections. But still nothing has been said by government. Nothing. Mm -hmm. Tricia, do you see a scenario where Brexit might not, uh, you know, finally happen? I think, hmm, well, next year we may have, um, or maybe this year, there's still time, uh, any combination of, in any particular order, um, a general election and um, another referendum. Um, I think the odds probably still are on Britain uh, leaving the EU, um, but I think then there would be, or there's bound to be, um, an endless series of negotiations of the kind that should have happened leading up to the exit, 
about what that means in practice, what the relationship's like, and what happens as a result of the commitments that have been made or not made. So I think we we may end up leaving, um, but I think to a lot of people it will feel as if we haven't. Um, Question for both of you, final question. If you did have a chance to sit down with Theresa May and and have a little chat with her, what would you say to her, Sarah? Um, You probably wouldn't be able to broadcast what I would like to say. (laughs) I would like to speak to Mark Rutter, though. Okay. What would you say to him? Uh, I want to tell him about the situation that some people are living in 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 the Netherlands, that they're in difficult situations. Um, They might be not married to but have a Dutch partner, uh, a child. They've not been here five years yet. Uh, People who are living on on benefits, um, other people who are worried about their jobs because there isn't a stable job situation in the Netherlands like there used to be. People can work for a company for two, three, four, five years and then lose their job. So I'd like to talk to him about that and say, why can't we have dual nationality? Germany allows it for dual nationality for other EU citizens. Why can't the Dutch government do that for us? There was an announcement made on Saturday by, I can't remember the chap's name, a a D66 um, MP, that his party and some others were hoping to try and force through, if they could, emergency legislation, so it won't take two years, for Dutch citizens resident in the UK to be allowed to take dual nationality. But no mention was made of the British citizens living in the Netherlands. So you think it would make more sense to speak to Mark Rutte, the Dutch Prime Minister, than uh, to speak quite. to Why? I, I don't think our British government um, are actually all that willing to do anything for us, quite frankly. Hmm. And Tricia, what would you, if you had a chance to sit down with Theresa May, what would you say? I would say to her um, that she's repeatedly made empty promises on citizens' rights. And I would say to her, um, you've lost my trust and you've lost my vote. Do you have plans then for the day itself, March 29, if it uh, does go ahead? I am actually going to a little vigil come rally they're having in Parliament Square in London uh, to show solidarity for Europe. It's uh, happening in the evening and we're all going to wait for the... I don't know if the bell will be chiming again by then, but uh, the clock to hit 11 and I dare say I might have a few tears. <laughs> right, 11, because that's 12 in Europe, of course. Yes, but it's ele- yes, that's why the British government is doing it at 11, yes. Yep. And Tricia? Well, we're going to make sure that we're here in our host country just in case there uh, might be a few hiccups in getting, uh, in, in getting back. Yeah, actually, that is one of the worries for me. I'm flying back the next day on the 30th and it's a case of, will there be a plane for me to fly on in the event of a no-deal scenario? If not, I'll have to stay at my friend's house who lives near London uh, for quite some time until I can get back to Europe, I suppose. Well, thank you very much for both of you coming to the studio. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Thanks, Andy. Tricia Tarrant and Sarah Parks there from the British in the Netherlands group. You can find them on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash british.net. IN.NL. There's a link in the show notes. And the group is part of the British in Europe Coalition, BritishinEurope.org. There's a link in the show notes too to the Dutch Immigration Authority's webpage on Brexit. It's in English. And there you can find all of the current rules and regulations, so far as known, of course. Uh, there's info too on getting Dutch citizenship should you want to go that route. 
Thanks to Sarah, Trisha and Stephen for taking part in this podcast. And just a reminder, you can become a benefactor, a patron of Here in Holland for just the price of a cup of coffee each month. Check the link in the show notes on how to become a patron of the show. It would help me enormously. The more patrons I have, the more podcasts I can make. And even if you can't spare any cash, then you can help out by uh, spreading the word, tell family and friends about the podcast and leave reviews and ratings all over the place on internet. It helps uh, the podcast get found and keep those pesky algorithms on side. All right, from me, Andy Clark, thank you very much for listening and I'll catch you next time. 